can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hannah and I just looked at each other, we're like, another episode. <laughs> we're back here it again. Is. We love being here though, do. don't get us wrong. But it is 33 degrees outside yeah. and we're in some... And we're locked we're in a room a with no windows. room. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we would rather be outside, but, you know, we're here for you guys. So, Hannah, what's on today's episode? So, on today's episode, we are talking about piercings. Mm. Um, we have a really funny... This is really gross, guys. It's really gross. But Trigger keep, warning. Keep listening. <laughs> uh, then we're talking to a dermatologist all about sensitive skin. Yes. Um, we asked you what you wanted to know, so she's going to come and answer some of your questions, and obviously, the product we didn't know we needed. So onto our cringy combo. Um, this is I started telling my mum about this combo. She's like, "Stop, don't, stop! Don't tell Linda we're doing things. She won't let you do it." She was like, "I don't want to know." It was like <laughs> you did her exact voice then. That sounded exactly like Linda. Linda's my mum, by the way. Um, so what happened was we were talking about piercings, and yeah. we both have old. Um, we were literally sitting at our desks, and Hannah started telling me about her belly button piercing. I was like. Oh my god, me I, too. I was trying to gross her out, but she no. was like, "Oh my god, me too." Yeah. So, if you have ever had a belly button piercing and it 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 kind of went out of fashion because yeah. I got mine done at fifteen, same, and I probably only had it for two years. Yeah, I like lied about my age and oh. um got my belly button pierced, and yeah. then as you get older, you like it's not kind of. Cool. Yeah. I don't I know. Felt, just I personal felt preference. I uncomfortable because I think that's when high-waisted pants started coming in. Yeah. So I wanted to wear high-waisted jeans, but it would always dig in and, because back, and irritate back, it. back 15 years ago, yeah. low-waisted low, jeans low were rise. in. And then low when it got to my age, because I'm a few years younger than you, yeah. um, it was high-waist. And then I couldn't really wear them. Yeah. So I took mine out thinking, Same. like every other piercing that I've had that I've yeah. taken out, it's going to... Because I've had my nose pierced three times, if you can believe it. I can't even see any trace <laughs> yeah. of you having a nose pierced. Because it's it, amazing. Because it heals and then yeah. the hole's gone. And I've actually taken one out in my ear and it's already healing over, which wow. is great. One thing that you should know if you're if you're considering getting a belly button piercing is it does not close over. I fully regret getting mine. Oh, uh, fully re- major regret. Fully regret it. If I'd known that I was going to be left with this hole. Yeah, forever. I never would have gotten it done. So please tell us what is the worst thing about having an old belly button piercing? It's the gunk that goes inside <laughs> it. It is foul. It's okay. So what happens? So you actually every I do it probably every few months or six yeah. months. You have to squeeze. Good to let it build up. <laughs> That's because it's so disgusting. Yeah. I don't want to touch it. Yeah. So you actually have to, warning, this is disgusting, but you have to squeeze the gunk out, out of, of the, the hole, hole and it smells like rotten yeah, flesh. See, I can't. Uh, when you said that, I was like, I have never smelt mine, but. Um, you can smell it from. I can't smell because I do oh, it in the shower. Oh, okay. I'm not doing it just laying uh, in bed. It literally smells like rotten flesh. No, Hannah, it's you've disgusting. got it. You've got to do it in the shower because you moisten up the skin oh, and, okay. it, and it softens. 
and then all the stuff inside softens and so it squeezes out a lot easier. That's it's just like, my personal It's trip. like a pimple. Like it's like yeah. squeezing a pimple. And, and all I, this you pus. guys know I love is it that pu- stuff. Yeah, I know. So. Is it like pus? I think it's just a buildup of shit, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, like, like gunk and tan. Oh, Like think my about gosh. how much we tan. Yes. It would just all be fake tan and... It's Yuck really gross, and guys. It's it, and and it's never going to go away. Mm. We're stuck with this forever. I'm not that mad about it though. It's kind of, <laughs> I kind find of it really. Dis- <laughs> of course, you like yeah. doing it. Of course, it turns her on, guys. Guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, there might be some YouTube videos. I haven't looked them up, but yeah, I if you're interested and you've YouTube never had videos. your belly pierced. So another thing that we probably should talk about, though, is yeah. infected piercings. Yes. Um, I actually have got a lot of piercings. I have six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. I have eleven piercings. Yeah. Sorry for counting I've on air. I've got two in my ears. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot of piercings and I have a lot of cartilage piercings and I've had mm. my nose pierced three times. And so I've actually Do never... they hurt those cartilage ones? Oh, my yeah, God. I, I, You're going to die where sick. you found oh, – because I've had them done overseas. Of course you have. It's Hannah first. It's... <laughs> so they – so when I got the ones done, um, I've got three on my cartilage that's on my sleeping side. Yeah. I literally slept in pain for two years. Wow. The things that Why we do. Why do you just take it out? Um, because I, because they look cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So I have a friend that always gets infected piercings and mm-hmm. she got – I went with her the other – like a few weeks ago to get it done and she told me what had happened. Um, so basically it got so swollen that the her ear engulfed the piercing yeah. in swelling and she actually then had to go to another place and I think they had to like – somehow she said it was the most painful experience like they had to get the piercing out yeah Um, i've seen people with like almost those keloid scars where they it's like a ball surrounds the yeah i would recommend going to skin or something i I would probably recommend going to a doctor if you've got a really infected piercing yeah because it might be there might be something wrong with it yeah but sometimes with piercings it can just be friction like especially with nipple piercings and things like that where there's always a bra on it or a t-shirt that's the next piercing i want to get okay well you can tell us about it when you get it (laughs) i just the pain of it and then ears as well like sleeping Mm, on that's um, what i've experienced which you would experience it wasn't infected you just get gets quite red and and painful and sore it's not infected but it's it's look before getting any cartilage piercings i would definitely think long and hard like it they take a really long time to heal yeah which makes sense because you've like it's like trauma to yeah. like your ears. So yeah, if it seems infected, you should go to your doctor because yeah. most of the time you probably have to go on antibiotics. But you should be definitely using those um, antiseptic sprays and stuff after your um, piercing. Do you know what's happened to me as I've gotten older and piercings? Mm. Um, I can't deal with the pain anymore. I wanted oh. I wanted to get like when I was younger I used to just like do it all the time. Yeah, like really reckless. And now yeah. I'm like like no. you get tattoos now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, tattoos don't hurt. Don't they? Much. I've well, never had small one. tattoos don't hurt. Okay. For me, they don't hurt. Hannah just came into work one day. She's like, I got a tattoo on the weekend. I was like, That's happened cool. a couple of times, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's happened twice since I've worked yeah. at a door. Um, I'm all for, for tattoos, guys. But the piercings, I can't do anymore. The whole concept of like a, ne- a big needle going in through your skin freaks mm. me out. So if you guys have really gross things from piercings, we really want to hear about it. Well, I do personally. Yeah, I would I actually really, like it. No, I really want to know about um, nipple piercings because yeah. ever since Kendall Jenner, Jenner got one yeah. and Kylie Jenner got one. Oh, I was Kylie like, have one too. I'm like, so, I'm like an impressionable young girl. Like yeah. I just want exactly <laughs> what they have. You're a millennial. I know. 
30 year old <laughs> but like i saw when she got that nipple piercing i was like oh i really want that but the thought of a of mine I, I, I can't, can't i can't i cannot i just i'd have to be so sedated yeah. they'd have to give me a local anesthetic in my nipple constant discomfort of that yeah and it like ripping like what if it rips your nipple out oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but just wearing a bra and having that rub on your bra all day like oh i just can't i feel like it. with every piercing though that you get, it doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. So like the piercings that I have now, it doesn't you just don't rub, notice them. You don't notice them. Yeah. It's like they're not there. Well, make sure you share your gross piercing gross stories piercing. with us And also definitely tell us, like, is it, are we the only ones that get the gunk in yeah. our old belly if button you've piercings? you've got the belly button gunk and you like to squeeze it out And does shower, it really, like, it's know. really revolting, but yeah. clearly Joanna also gets sick pleasure from it as well. <laughs> Welcome to our guest for today's podcast. It is Dr. Cara McDonald. She is a dermatologist. Cara, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm a dermatologist in Melbourne. I work in a practice called Complete Skin Specialists where I'm a co-director and um, we do all things skin, love mm-hmm. skin. Um, I have a special interest in um, preventative skin health, so trying to prevent inflammatory skin conditions, skin cancer and ageing, of course. And um, But really I do everything. I do um, general dermatology, skin cancer, surgery, cosmetic dermatology, and, and uh, today you're joining us to talk about sensitive skin. That's what right. really particular. surprised me was that we put up a poll on Instagram, um, do you have sensitive skin? And the vast majority of people that voted said they did have sensitive skin. Mm-hmm. This is something I really want to yeah. ask about. <laughs> Go <laughs> ask. It my head in because I feel like everybody thinks they have sensitive skin. Do you find that some people are confused between having truly sensitive skin and sensitised skin or an impaired barrier as opposed to being truly sensitive? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you've got a bit of a bias there that anyone that has sensitive skin is like, yes, I've got yeah. that because it is a common skin type. We consider sensitive skin a skin type rather than a skin disorder. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone falls in a spectrum there somewhere. And if you don't have tough, acne-prone, oily skin, then a lot of people do um, associate with having sensitive skin for one reason or another. Sensitive skin, you know, is defined in a few different ways, but generally it is um, where people feel that their skin is tight or stingy or tends to burn. They have product intolerance, so they do find that they can only use certain uh, things on their skin or sometimes they feel that they can't use anything on their skin mm-hmm. at all. It feels like it reacts. It might flush. It might burn. But, again, it's a spectrum and it certainly varies depending on how you're looking after your skin and, um, you know, whether you fall into that category or not might depend on what you're doing with it as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting you say acne oily prone is tough. That's what I have. And I never, ever, I'm like, you always talk about being sensitive to retinols and things yeah. like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've yeah. never felt such a thing. <laughs> yeah, it tends to be the opposite end of the spectrum. And then you've got something like combination or normal skin in the middle there. Yeah. But, um, you know, some people have sensitive skin at some point and oily skin at some point, acne at some point. So it can definitely change mm-hmm. through your life as mm-hmm. well. How would you know if you have sensitive skin? I would say that the most common complaint is that people struggle with active ingredients. Um, They can find all products make their skin feel sore or stingy or tight, peel, redness, 
they may just have that feeling the whole time. You can feel like you're flushing or burning when you're not. Yeah. It, it really is is variable. And um, as you mentioned before, there is definitely some confusion between having sensitive skin and actually having an inflammatory skin disorder or um, skin allergy. Yeah. And um, so we see that if you've actually become allergic to a product, um, then you tend to get an itchy rash from that product. But you can also be irritated by a product and people with sensitive skin are probably more likely to get irritant reactions, but anyone can get an irritant reaction and that can be different again. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate between all these things. And then you've got inflammatory disorders such as rosacea or eczema and seborrheic dermatitis and periorificial dermatitis. And again, these can all have some crossover and people get very confused as to whether they've actually got a diagnosis, an inflammatory skin disorder or just sensitive skin. Oh, it's complex, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So what ingredients in general for sensitive skin do you recommend that people avoid if they think they've really got sensitive skin and they you're saying all these things and they're nodding their heads? What ingredients should they avoid? I think it's important to understand that they should be able to use most things, but it's how they use them and um, getting their skin used to them and possibly repairing their skin barrier first, yeah. um, which is the important thing. So the first thing is to start with um, what we like to call bland products, so products that are less likely to irritate the skin, um, fragrance-free, hypoallergenic, you know, minimise some of the active ingredients. Some of them are good, some of them are anti-inflammatory, like niacinamide, for mm-hmm. example. But it's not so much about what to avoid, it's about repairing the skin and getting the skin in the optimum condition and then going really slowly and testing things on your skin before you jump into it. A lot of people like to start a whole new skincare regime and they'll start three or four products at Mm -hmm. once. Mm -hmm. And it's a disaster because not only do they not know what um, is causing the problem, but it's just too much for their skin to handle at once. But if you actually go one by one, um, Mm -hmm. often they'll actually be able to use these things, even the most irritating products such as retinoids, um, can often be tolerated if they're introduced the right way and the skin's in good condition first. So for someone with sensitive skin that comes in and sees you, generally how do you treat that person? How do you get them on the right skincare? So the first thing is to work out if they have a diagnosis as well, Mm -hmm. okay? And um, as I said, a lot of people complain that their products burn or sting when they put them on. They may say they get a rash. They may say they get breakouts. They may feel like they're flushed. It's important to to determine whether or not they might have rosacea or they might have an allergy to one of the products they're using, whether they're getting an irritant reaction to one of the products they're using or whether they've just got plain old sensitive skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I try and do is have a look at what they're actually doing. And in most cases, um, they're all over the shop. A lot of people will say, oh, well, it's all natural that I'm using, but they have no idea what's actually in those yeah. products. And that means absolutely nothing, unfortunately. It doesn't mean it's less likely to react. In most cases, what I do is try to stop most of what they're doing and make sure that they're doing the basics really well. So a soap-free cleanser, a really gentle cream cleanser preferably, and then daily sun protection. And um, all inflammation and skin sensitivity is made worse by sun and UV light. And a lot of people say, well, but I can't use 
sunscreen, it irritates me. But often they're using fragranced products or products that aren't made for sensitive skin. So mm-hmm. I'll try and get them onto something like La Roche-Posay, which is made for sensitive skin or yep. even um, sometimes a, a mineral-based um, sunscreen mm-hmm. if, if they're finding some of the chemical ones that are irritating. So really basic routine where we're doing sunscreen every morning, gentle cleanser, and then a emollient at night which is designed again for sensitive skin so hypoallergenic preferably free of preservatives even and once you kind of establish whether they can tolerate that you can um, then determine what their real problem is a lot of the time you did sort of answer before with i think the most questions that we get from sensitive skin people because they just want to use actives yeah, and they want to get the anti-aging happening so how would you get someone once they've got their barrier um, under control, is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, once they've got their barrier under control, kind of how would you start introducing, can they introduce acids and retinols and other kind of irritating ingredients? Yeah, so the key is to go um, gently, gently, gently. So as you guys would know, you know, your number one anti-aging product is sunscreen. Yeah. And um, Preach, we just say that because every single guest has said that. It's, it's like so really good. interesting. It's a real movement. Yeah, it's a movement. <laughs> And a lot of people still don't fully understand sunscreens. They don't understand the difference between UVA, UVB. They don't understand that they need to use it every day throughout the year. Um, They don't understand the difference between um, physical and chemical sunscreens. So just starting there is really important because my thing is that if I can get someone using sunscreen every day of the year, that's 80% of their anti-aging covered. So focus on that first and, um, you know, I'll often do things, we call it a a repeat open application test, which is where you just use um, the product in a small area to start with. That will help you work out whether you're truly allergic to it or Mm -hmm. having a problem with it or whether your skin's just reacting because it's all a bit too much. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a good way to, to test a product to start with. But if I can get the sunscreen going, then absolutely start with the more active ingredients. But, you know, we can go for products with a lower strength of retinol. Vitamin C tends to be very irritating for people with sensitive skin. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are a few products on the market that people will tolerate better than others, but I'd certainly leave that till last. So we're trying to get the vitamin B in because that's anti-inflammatory. It will help repair the skin barrier, improve hydration and actually allow them to tolerate other things. I would usually start with an alternating nightly of hydroxy acid and um, so implement that where we just do a tiny amount every second night and then you put moisturiser over the top of it, you skip it the other night and if you're tolerating that after a month, you can then add a low-strength retinoid the other night and do the same thing, a tiny amount um, put moisturiser over the top. You can even mix it with your moisturiser if you feel like it's still a bit too irritating. If you get the irritation, you skip an extra night and then keep going. And you'd be amazed that if people are committed to it, they can um, tolerate it with yeah. with that kind of routine. Yeah, you really do have to build up tolerance with those kind of Absolutely. ingredients. So it is about being patient at the same time. Patient, yep. And so you touched briefly on eczema. I didn't even know what eczema was before I started breaking it at all. <laughs> Most people don't. What what is eczema for those that don't know what it is and how might you treat eczema? 
All right, so eczema kind of is a general term which can cover different types of dermatitis, but it generally describes what we call atopic dermatitis. So that's the kind of genetic, you know, itchy childhood rash that people get that um, as a child commonly involves the elbows behind the knees and can be widespread. And um, most of these people have a family history of what we call ATP, and that's a genetic predisposition to hay fever, asthma and eczema. They all kind of go on the same That is gene. so interesting. Oh, my God. My brother has asthma. My dad gets hay fever. I've got rosacea. I used to get eczema. <laughs> yeah. So explains a lot. If you're not sure, like sometimes they come as an adult and, and you just work out whether there's a strong family history of yeah. ATP and that, that will often give you the that answer so interesting. which, you know, type of rash they have. Yeah. But um, I think the good way to think about eczema, I'm always talking about the skin, think about the skin like a brick wall. The thing with eczema is you've really got two problems. One is that the mortar that holds your bricks together is deficient. It's it's dodgy. Basically, that's your genetic predisposition, that your mortar's not that good. So you tend to get cracks in your wall that other people don't really get and stuff gets in the crack and um, stimulates your immune system. And the immune response is the second abnormal part of eczema. So... Um, you then have this sort of abnormal, inflammatory, itchy um, reaction to whatever's invading through your skin, whereas someone without that genetic tendency might get dry, irritated skin, but they might not get eczema. So if we just wash our hands 50 times a day, some people will just get dry, peeling, sore hands, and other people will get eczema because that's their inflammatory response. So you've got these two problems and a mistake a lot of people make is they think, oh, well, you know, you've just got to use moisturisers and and protect the skin to stop the stuff going in the cracks. But actually you need to decrease the inflammation as well because the inflammation causes damage in itself. So you get in this vicious cycle. And I always say to people, when you've got eczema there, think about your brick wall being like a pile of bricks on the ground. It's Mm -hmm. like a rock wall with cracks and holes and nothing's quite right. So the anti-inflammatory treatment such as topical um, corticosteroid is to try and calm the inflammation down and that allows you then to rebuild your wall and then you can keep it away by protecting it. So you've got to keep those two things in mind. One is protect your brick wall, use your barrier treatment and then the other is treat the inflammation if it's there. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you'll just be in this vicious cycle forever. So back to which products you actually use. Moisturiser is a very general term as well, but we think of it as um, having different components. So um, moisturisers generally have humectants, which are the ingredients that hold the moisture into the skin, Mm -hmm. and that allows it to function more normally and keeps the inflammation down. And then there's the occlusive ingredients, which actually is just like the grease which blocks the water from coming out through the skin um, and also helps protect the skin from stuff going in, which Mm -hmm. is equally important. So I've got rosacea. Rosacea differs a bit to eczema. So a lot of people message me about rosacea because I've said it a few times Mm. and ask me how I treat it. But I always go back to them and say, look, it is um, a lifestyle thing. There is a lot of things that can trigger rosacea. And for me, I take care of mine and I manage mine by using high quality skincare. Yeah. There's not one serum or one product that's going to solve it. And I think that's where people get confused and they think that there's just going to be one ingredient that I use that fixes it. <laughs> Fix so everyone. can you talk us through rosacea a little bit? Sure can. So again, I think you've got to understand the problem to fully treat it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that differs with rosacea is that the inflammation that's in the skin is actually around the blood vessels. So most people with rosacea have two problems. They have 
excess blood vessels or overreactive blood vessels, which gives them the redness we mm-hmm. see. And then they've got inflammation around those blood vessels, which gives them sometimes lumps and bumps and skin sensitivity. So any inflammation can make the skin more sensitive. Yeah. So if you really want to treat rosacea, you need to think about treating the inflammation and also treating the redness or the blood vessels if that's a prominent part of your rosacea. And as you said, the problem is that what causes the inflammation and feeds into this vicious cycle can be different in different people. Yeah. And in some people it's stress and yep. in some people it's foods mm-hmm. and in some people it's sun. Yeah. In some people it's just genetics um, and we don't know. Or and But you get in this vicious cycle. So if you've already got some significant redness or flushing and excess blood vessels, then it's very helpful to treat that. And really the only effective treatment for that is vascular laser. Um, Yeah, looking into that. Yeah. (laughs) And look, I have rosacea too and I used to be so red and it's changed my life just taking out a lot of the blood vessels. Wow. you know, I just don't have to worry about the flare-ups as much now. How many sessions do you have to have of the vascular laser? It just depends on you. Yeah. Um, I was super red and I had sort of three sort of back-to-back, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just did them when I could. Yeah. That was 12 years ago. Wow. And I've pretty much had one every year since just to maintain it. Yep. And um, honestly, it changed my life. I feel like wow. that sold you. Yeah. Because <laughs> you've been talking about it I've a been lot. talking about it for ages, but I just didn't want to be dramatic and go and get laser, <laughs> but I feel like I should now if it's going to change my life. Well, it actually treats the underlying cause yeah. help, helps the cause. So if you if you don't have as many vessels in that really superficial layer of the skin, so yep. that's where you don't need the big excessive blood vessels. We want the deep ones, obviously, and the laser won't touch them. Yeah. But it's shrinking down those um, superficial blood vessels yep. that are one, the ones that then get inflamed and cause the other problems we see. So a lot of people say, what should I put on my skin for redness? And the problem with redness is that there's a cause of it most of the time. Yeah. So it's going to be rosacea or it's going to be eczema or it's going to be sun damage or it's going to be... Um, you know, sometimes just flushing and so on. You can't just put something on the skin to treat redness in most cases. So you need a diagnosis so that you can actually treat the cause of the redness. And if you have something inflammatory like eczema and you treat the eczema, sometimes then those excess blood vessels, you know, they're there because you've got inflammation. So your blood vessels open up if there's inflammation and to allow for that inflammation to the cells to come in and the swelling and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you take out the problem and the inflammation will go down and the redness will go down with it. But other times the blood vessels are the pre-existing problem like in rosacea and sun damage Mm -hmm. and so the only way to get rid of them is to actually treat the blood vessels and that will help the other problems. Yeah because I don't want mine to get worse as I get older because I see my dad's skin and I'm like if my skin's that red (laughs) by the time I'm in my 60s so I feel like I gotta do something about it now. You got a little bit of time till you're 60. (gasps) I know just just a little bit. (laughs) Please don't remind us. (laughs) Well luckily it's all treatable now. Yes I know. Thanks for joining us Cara. It's been lovely to have you here to talk about sensitive skin. It's a pleasure. Great. Awesome. Thank you. So you loved that, Joe. I did. But I, did. I think that a lot of listeners will probably be saying, oh, can you just tell me what products to use? Yeah. Which so, they always do. Which is what they always do. So we um, thought we'd just wrap up quickly with a few of your top picks for sensitive skin. Yeah. La Roche-Posay is probably one of our most popular brands for sensitive skin. Yes. And I do really recommend La Roche because the French know sensitive skin. Yeah. And also we did some, um, if you go to our IGTV, there's an amazing video we did um, with a girl called Nicola who 
swap to all La Roche-Posay and it was just... She had really sensitive skin, yep. had a reaction, switched to all La Roche and um, it pretty much healed her skin. So the good thing about La Roche is that it is really gentle. Um, I use the um, Telerion Ultra Cream as a moisturizer when my skin's feeling sensitive because I use a lot of actives, as you know. I yes. use a lot of cosmeceuticals. Um, but I do like to rotate in the Cicaplast Soothing Repairing Balm as well and the Rosaliac AR Intense Serum. So all of those are really, really nice products for sensitive skin, especially if you're having a reaction. I have reactions all the time. Um, I have flare-ups in my rosacea all the time and they're the products that I reach for because I just want to calm my skin, soothe my skin and support it and help it recover. So they are three really good products. Put them in the episode notes if you want to shop them. Product I didn't know I needed. Yes, again. So what's your product this week? Do you know I actually... Why don't you go first this week? Because I feel like I always go first. So I have a little story to tell. Yeah. So I went to Hair Expo Mm -hmm. um, with a couple of girls from the office. And um, so this is is like the most genuine product I didn't know I needed because of my reaction. You really didn't. (laughs) Um, So we ended up at like the... Is it Balmain? I think it's actually Balmain. Balmain, but, but I'm not going yeah, to say that. You're not going to say that. So um, we know it's, it's like Balmain, Chant, it's like any so French. Yeah, it's like French words. Like freak yeah. me. Out. I yeah. learned croissant. French. <laughs> like, a, can I just have a croissant? Yeah, like you're you would not say, say that. that. Yeah. Um. So we walked past there, kind of like there's all these stalls, and I just it was just calling out to me, and mm-hmm. I like went over with two girls from the office, and we. I reckon we spent an hour there. Really? Oh, my God. You could not drag us away. <laughs> we were just we were just trying stuff on. Because actually Jen Atkin, we'd watched Jen Atkin do like a Dyson yeah. Masterclass and she kept talking about the Bal- Balmain, Balmain, whatever, <laughs> hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> she was obsessed with it even yeah. though she has her own hair care range. Um, and I was really intrigued and they have like a hair perfume and the, the packaging, oh, my God, it's like next Great level. Great gift. Oh, my God. And they have packs and they have a gold brush and mm-hmm. it's just the nicest. I, I was in heaven. It's like hair care's not that sexy, but this yeah, is like this the is sexiest sexy. hair care ever. Yeah. But what is the best part about their range is the hair accessories. Yeah. So, like, I said to our hair care buyer, I was like, oh, my God, we have to get every single hair accessory. They're really bougie. They're so beautiful. So I ended up seeing this. What is it? Like a hair barrette or, yeah, or something? Yeah, it's got like a leather. With like a chopstick. Like yeah. a, We'll put it on our stories. <laughs> but it's got like a leather leather strap thing. And you put, you put <laughs> the chopstick through it. You put the chopstick, the gold chopstick through it. It's so stunning. And it yeah. actually has the logos. Yeah. So like it's also. She came into the office. She was like, I bought this Balmain hair clip. And I was like, how much was it, Hannah? And she was like. Three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, I got a little bit of a industry discount while we were there, but it was. I literally walked away from the stall, and then someone was like, "It's gonna sell." It was their last one, and I was like, (gasps) "And so I ran back and I got it." And then a girl at the counter was like, "Oh, are you getting that?" And I was like, "Yes." And she was like, "Oh, is it the last one?" I was like, "Yes." And so, did she want it? Yeah, she wanted it. She like wanted to steal it from me. Um, yeah. So anyway, their accessories—they've got clips and it's. 
it's very bougie. It's so bougie. Very but also expensive. what I like about it, it's like a touch of designer yeah. without being OTT and yeah. also not thousands of dollars. Amazing for the races, weddings, mm. things like that where you really want to have like bougie hair. And actually quite a few people, I wore it out that night and a, quite a few people were like, well, that hair clip. Anytime you wear it, I'm mm. like, I love that so much. Mm. So that's mine. Oh, I feel like mine's not as exciting. No, now. it's not really that exciting. exciting. Story. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is the Dr. Hauschka trend translucent bronzing tint. I never knew how to say that, Dr. Hauschka. <laughs> what did you think it was? Um, it was Tell like, us. Dr. Harushka. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought there was an R in there. I just looked at it. <laughs> okay, so for everybody else, it's Dr. Hauschka. Um, translucent bronzing tint. So um, this stuff is something that I discovered like literally a week ago because I saw it on Nikki Makeup Stories. Uh-huh. And anyone that knows me, I'm obsessed, obsessed with Nikki Makeup. Like if I met her, that would be my life complete. Like I could die happily. She's the best makeup artist in the world, I reckon. Um, anyway, so she was using this on her stories on um, Elsa Hosk, a model, mm-hmm. and she used it as a liquid bronzer. And I've never had a liquid bronzer and I've never known how to use one. And she used it on her stories and I was like, I have to have that. How did she use it? No, I'm intrigued. So she used it on like an angled brush and mm-hmm. she just put it around the hairline, like where you would contour and then mm-hmm. under the cheekbones. But what I discovered about this product is that you can also add it to your moisturiser if you don't want to wear foundation. And it just gives you a really beautiful glow all over your face. So if you don't want to wear foundation on the weekends, you can add that to your moisturiser. It's got a bit of a, like a fake tan effect without yeah. being a fake tan. But you can then customise it because yep. you can just add like a tiny little amount if you want to wear a tiny bit. It would be really good for your um, winter foundation in summer. 100%. Mm. Adding that in just to darken it a little bit. Um, it's a really, really good product. And it contains some really nice ingredients as well. So there's nothing like nasty in there. But yeah, that's my recommendation. So thanks everyone for joining us again. We'll see you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.